Welcome to Watchmen on the Wall, a daily outreach of Southwest Radio Ministries and SWRC.com. God is still on the throne, and prayer changes things. This week, the secret destiny of America will be revealed by Tom Horn. We'll be introduced to the Jesus Lady, and Dr. Carl Baugh will share how you and I can have an eternal impact in the South Pacific. As we begin our time together this week, I want to encourage all of our new listeners to request your free new listener pack. The new listener pack includes the latest issue of our Prophetic Observer newsletter and a free gift. Request your free new listener pack when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Our host, Dr. Larry Spargimino, welcomes Tom Horn back to Watchmen on the Wall to discuss the revelation of America's secret destiny. Many believe that our nation and world are headed in the wrong direction. Is it accidental, or is there a secret destiny of America that has already been determined, and we may ask, determined by whom? In 2005, at his second inaugural address, U.S. President George W. Bush said this, When our founders declared a new order of the ages, they were acting on an ancient plan that is meant to be fulfilled. Close quotes. Our guest for this show and the next is internationally acclaimed investigative author, Dr. Tom Horn. And I have in my hand The Secret Destiny of America Revealed. It is over two hours in length, a DVD. It is, as always, with Dr. Horn, impeccably researched, attractively done, and a compelling account showing the dark forces involved in America at the present time. Thank you, Tom, for being with us on the show. Well, your books and video productions are always thoroughly done, and this DVD is no exception. How long have you been working on this particular video? Off and on, for years, actually. Each time we get a little deeper down the rabbit hole, then we came back and added (laughs) that material. (laughs) You know how it is. And then, of course, to take 20-plus years of research off and on, and then to put that into a two-hour DVD presentation... You know, you got to really get to the meat on the bone right away. Tom, you say that America is racing toward a secret destiny as defined by occultists, and that this is also biblically prophetic. What do you mean by that? Yeah, well, you know, you mentioned just how George Bush had referred to this ancient plan that is meant to be fulfilled. But in more recent years, don't forget it was Barack Obama who, after designating America no longer a Christian nation. I'm sure you remember that. Yes. Which he declared just before his election in 2008. He added to that, we are five days away in the lead-up to his inauguration. He said, we are five days away from fundamentally transforming the United States of America. That's a bold statement. And then his wife, Michelle, came along and echoed those sentiments, saying, we're going to have to change our traditions, our history. We're going to have to move into a different place as a nation, end quote. So what I say in this presentation is that this international and intentional redefining of the nation and an attempt at changing the course of the United States was partly 
with Donald Trump, was determined to stop. And why, in his State of the Union address in February of 2019, he declared that as long as he was the president, America will never be a socialist country, right? So it's my opinion that before and after the presidency of Donald Trump, the United States was, and now it is again, on an intentional trajectory to fulfill what famous Freemason Manly P. Hall described as the secret destiny of America, which, by the way, includes future national and global subservience to the god of Freemasonry, which is a deity that most Americans wouldn't even imagine when reciting the Pledge of Allegiance to One Nation Under God. And, and let me jump in here quickly and add something. The idea by some that the United States was established as a monotheistic Christian nation by those who designed Washington, D.C., the great deal of the United States, and so on, and that the God referred to on the American currency is a Judeo-Christian one, is actually a puzzling conclusion when reflected against the secret societies, the mystery religions, the deistic beliefs of so many of the founding fathers, these comments that you read through the official founding documents about a supreme architect, well, that's deism of Freemasonry. They talk about the supreme judge of the world and the divine providence notations that are in the Declaration of Independence and so on. And then you look at the symbolism on the Great Seal, you look at the symbolism, the countless pagan icons that actually dominate the symbols, statues, buildings, all of the seals that are carefully drafted under official government auspices. In fact, the great seal itself of the United States, Manley Hall rightly called that the signature of that exalted body of Masons who designed America, quote, for a peculiar and particular purpose, end quote. Mm. And so you look at the seal because he says this is the signature of the Masons, and you find this fascinating symbolism, actually forecasting anything but Christianity. As a matter of fact, and many listeners may not know this, when the Christians in the 1800s argued before the government that a hypothetical annihilation of the United States would lead to antiquaries of succeeding centuries, that's their key phrase, concluding that America had been a heathen nation based on symbolism of the Great Seal, Congress was actually pushed back then to create something that would reflect the Christian faith of so many of its citizens. President and Freemason Theodore Roosevelt was strongly opposed to that idea. But other Masons talked about and wrote about how they were not as frustrated with the plan because given the ambivalence of the term God and the axiom that interpreted within the context of the great seal symbolism, nothing there would infer a biblical Christian God. And so they didn't see it as a conflict with their mystery beliefs. And so the slogan, in God we trust, whoever you believe that is, was accommodated by Masons and other Illuminati. And so it was approved as the official U.S. motto. So what I go into is how unknown to most Americans and many average Christians too, the great seals, mottos, and symbolism relate to the secret destiny of America that Hall and other Masons spoke of. Why? Because it features the things that are important to them, both the gods Osiris 
and Apollo specifically. Yet as one, Osiris is the dominant theme of the Egyptian symbols, his resurrection and return, while the mottos of the seal point directly to Apollo. And the eagle, a pagan emblem of Jupiter, to Apollo's father and to his secret plan for the nation as such. For instance, the motto, Anawet Coeptus, is from Virgil's Aenid, in which Ascanius, the son of Aeneas from conquered Troy, prays to Apollo's father, Jupiter or Zeus. Charles Thompson, the designer of the Great Seal's final version, he condensed line 625 of Book 9 of Virgil's Aenid, which reads, Jupiter omnipotus adasibus anawit coeptus, or in other words, all-powerful Jupiter favors our daring undertaking. He condensed that to anawit coeptus, he approves our undertaking. While the phrase novus ordo seclorum, or a new order of the ages, which you briefly referred to at the start of this program, that was adapted in 1782 from inspiration that Thompson found in a prophetic line in Virgil's Ecologue 4, which reads Magnus et Integro Seclorum Nascator Ordo from line 5. And the interpretation of the original Latin is, and the majestic role of circling centuries begins anew, pointing towards a coming new world order. But what's more important for Christians is that that phrase is taken directly from the Kume Sibyl, who was a pagan prophetess of the god Apollo, identified in the Bible as a demonic deceiver. And it involves specifically the future birth of a divine son, spawned of, quote, a new breed of men sent down from heaven, end quote, when he receives the, quote, life of gods and sees heroes with gods commingling, end quote. Sounds very much like what the Watchers did with the creation of the Nephilim. According to that prophecy, this is Apollo, the son of Jupiter, or Zeus, who returns to Earth through mystical life given to him from the gods when the deity Saturn or Jupiter returns to reign over the Earth in a new golden pagan age or a new world order. So according to Virgil and the Kume Sibyl, whose prophecy formed the Novus Ordo Seclorum on the Great Seal of the United States, the new world order or the secret destiny of America begins during a time of chaos, when the earth and the oceans are tottering. So, in other words, a time like today. And that is the time when the son of promise arrives on earth, Apollo incarnate, a pagan savior born of a new breed of men sent down from heaven when heroes and gods are blended together. And I mentioned that this sounds very similar to what the Watchers did during the creation of Genesis 6 giants, but it's also why many people believe that Antichrist will represent the return of the Nephilim. To understand why such a fanciful prophecy about Apollo, the son of Jupiter, returning to Earth, should be important to the listeners. In ancient literature, Jupiter was the Roman replacement of Yahweh as the greatest of the gods. He was a counter-Yahweh. His son Apollo is the replacement of Jesus, a counter-Jesus. It is this Apollo that comes to rule the final new world order when justice returns from, this is from the Kume's prophecy, justice returns, returns old Saturn's reign. The ancient goddess Justice should intrigue people right now with what's going on in Washington, D.C., the mm. deep state, the 
federal intrusions into our lives, the bureaucracy, because the ancient goddess Justice, who she says is going to establish the rule of Apollo on Earth, this is the goddess Justice who returns Satan's reign, Saturn or Rego, I was trying to think of the name, Saturnia Regna, or the pagan golden age. Now that was known to the Egyptians as Match, he was, and to the Greeks as Themis. Well, to the Roma, she was called Lucidia, but it doesn't matter. Statues and reliefs of her adorn thousands of government buildings and courts around the world, especially in Washington, D.C., because this is familiar Lady Justice. Blindfolded holding scales and a sword, she represents the enforcement of secular law and is, according to the Sybil's Conjure, the authority that is going to require global compliance to the zenith of Satan's dominion concurrent with the coming of Apollo. And what's more, the Bible accurately concerns this subject, and it's alarming, including the idea that pagan justice is going to require surrender to a satanic system in a final world order under the uh, rule of Jupiter's son. In the New Testament, the identity of the god Apollo is repeat-coded in the great seal of the United States as the Masonic Messiah who returns to rule the earth. The Bible names the same spirit, verified by the same name, that will inhabit the political leader of the end times New World Order. So, in other words, according to key Bible prophecies, the Antichrist will be the offspring, the incarnation of the ancient spirit of Apollo. Where do I see that? An example is 2 Thessalonians 2.3. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. And the Greek term there, perdition, is apollia, Apollo. Revelation 17.8 says, Concerning the Antichrist and Apollo, it says, The beast that thou sawest was and is not, and shall ascend out of the bottomless pit and go into perdition. Once again, Apollia, Apollo. So, among other things, this means that the great seal of the United States is a prophecy hidden in plain sight by the Founding Fathers for more than 200 years, foretelling the return of a terrifying demonic God who seizes control of earth in a new order of the ages. And that supernatural entity was known and feared in ancient times by different names, including Apollo and Osiris, and even further back as Nimrod, mm-hmm. who Masons consider to be the father of their institution. Well, friends, there is far more material on the DVD than we could ever hope to cover. You will want your own copy to share with our friends, your friends, and those around you. People need to know about this. The title, The Secret Destiny of America Revealed, our toll-free number, is 1-800-652-1144. Now, Tom, have modern leaders of the U.S. government acknowledged the secret destiny of America? Are they part of this? Do they know what's going on? Absolutely, they do. And a few examples include U.S. Representative Nancy Pelosi, who on January 4, 2007, assumed her role as the Speaker of the House at the opening of the 110th Congress. But she followed the pattern set by George Bush by infusing a loaded statement concerning the Founding Fathers, saying that they were so confident in, quote, the America that they were advancing, that they put on the seal, the great seal of the United States, Novus Ordo Seclorum, 
a new order for the centuries, end quote. Pelosi didn't go in detail as to why she considered the phrase Novus Ordo Seclorum an important dialectic during the momentous changeover of the control of Congress, nor did she add why that expression exists beneath the unfinished pyramid and the all-seeing eye of Horus Osiris Apollo in the great seal of the United States in the first place. But I don't think her allusion to it was coincidental. I think it was framed against January 20, 2001, when President Bush, during his first inaugural address, faced the obelisk known as the Washington Monument and twice referred to an angel that, quote, rides in the whirlwind and directs this storm, end quote. His reference was credited to Virginia statesman John Page, who wrote to Thomas Jefferson after the Declaration of Independence was signed. He said, we know the race is not to the swift nor the battle to the strong. Do you not think that an angel rides in the whirlwind and directs the storm, end quote. Five weeks after Bush's inaugural on Wednesday, February 20, 2001, when he made that reference, Congressman Major R. Owens of New York stood before the House of Representatives and he prayed to this angel in the whirlwind, asking this spiritual force to guide the future and the fate of the United States of America. Fast forward to today, and the beat kind of goes on, the election of Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, and the surreal, illicit invocation to dark supernaturalism tied to those governing entities intent on fulfilling his Bush prophesied the ancient conspiracy from the great seal of the United States. Right on cue, we saw Democrat Representative Emanuel Cleaver, remember, offering the congressional prayer opening up the 117th Congress in, quote, the name of the monotheistic God Brahma and God known by many names by many different faiths, in quote. Setting aside the numerous incorrect assumptions that Cleaver had made involving Brahma, the entreaty to such a Hindu god was actually highly appropriate given that Vice President Kamala Harris's name also invokes deities. Tom, I think this is very challenging for each and every one of us. God bless you, dear brother. Thank you, Larry. Much more from Tom Horn is coming up on our next program. Today in our resource spotlight, we're featuring Tom Horn's brand new DVD documentary, The Secret Destiny of America Revealed. This two-hour documentary featuring Dr. Tom Horn reveals who the God on America's Great Seal and U.S. $1 bill really is, why 72 pentagrams in the Capitol Dome are used to control the ancient cosmocrators who rule the nations the coming incarnation of Antichrist, and much, much more. Order your copy of the DVD documentary, The Secret Destiny of America Revealed, when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Or simply visit our website, swrc.com. Now, let's welcome Greg Patton and Ken Copley to the microphones to discuss a controversial topic, Demons in the church. Okay, here we are. Invisible War of the Saints. Greg Patton, Dr. Ken Copley. So excited to come your way and share some of the thoughts that in our decades of work come to the forefront. 
One of those things I've been thinking about, Dr. Copley, is the church. Oftentimes, when you talk about the area of the demonic, you think about Ouija boards, Dungeons and Dragons, being involved in Satanism, etc., and that's all very real, obviously. But a lot of problems come into the local church through basic sins that mm-hmm. turn into demonic bondage, giving no place to the devil. Two of them that I think about, big ones that I write about in my book, is unforgiveness and bitterness. How can that bring about demonic bondage? The Lord said, Be angry and sin not, neither let your son go down upon your wrath, neither give place or opening or ground to the devil. I believe enemy can infiltrate our thoughts, and I think that's something once we uh, realize scripturally, and there's all kinds of scripture to back it up, that the enemy can insert thoughts into our minds, and we have to be careful to take every thought captive through the obedience of Christ. The church is the pillar and ground of the truth. God has established his local church in this age as the place where believers come and meet together, where they fellowship together, where they learn together, where they share together, where they laugh together, where they cry together, where they hold one another accountable. And it is his organization. It's the local church. You cannot grow apart from the local church. That's a a real lie of the devil. You need to be a part of a good, God-fearing local church. Now, I'm going to give you some examples of some infiltrators that have come into the church, and that happens. And that's why the body needs to be grounded spiritually. We need good, solid pastors and elders. We need excellent leadership. We need discerning people. We need praying people. Some years ago, I was sitting at a conference next to a fellow named Henry, and we were at a table with nine seats, and just two of us were sitting there for a meal. And Henry looked at me and he said, Ken, when do you think these seats will fill up? I said, well, I'll guarantee you, Henry, after all the other seats in the house fill up here, (laughs) I said, somebody is going to come and sit with us. Just a moment later, a a nice looking young lady in her mid-30s sat down and she started visiting with me. And to my absolute surprise, at that time, she knew far more about spiritual warfare than I do. Wow. She looked at me and said, you're really curious about who I am. I said, I've been practicing this field. I've studied this field. I said, what's your story? Said, I grew up in a satanic home. She said, I was in a coven. And there is a church in my town. And she named the town. And I happened to know the pastor. And she said, the coven sent me to the church to infiltrate it. She said, I went to the church and started getting involved and busy and talking to people. But she said the strangest thing happened. She said they loved me, they were kind to me, but I could not infiltrate them with my ideology. And she said, as I sat and listened to the gospel of Jesus Christ from the pulpit and looked at Christian living, she said, the Lord opened my heart and I accepted the Lord. Amen. So she said... uh, That's my story. About that time, six other young ladies came and sat down. All of them had had the same experience. They'd all been a part of that coven, and they'd all gone into different churches, and that church had ministered to them. That really happened? That really happened. I was absolutely amazed. I I said, And so I I talked to the pastor later, and he said, yeah. 
He said, we feel that we've got a ministry to anybody that God brings across our doorstep. We need to love the people that nobody else loves. We need to reach out to them. They're made in the image and likeness of God. They're precious to him. And he said, that's a big part of our ministry. Scriptures talk about the wheat and the tares. The wheat are those who are born again. The tares look like Christians. They act like Christians. They might talk like Christians, but they've never become Christians. And when the harvest comes, they're going to be rooted out. But we need to treat each other in a way that glorifies God, being aware of situations. Another example, a fellow I know in New York took a church. It was a growing church. And he was so excited, he just received his Doctor of Divinity from Hiles Anderson College. And I mean, he was he was going to town, and he was having a wonderful time. Friend of mine, we'd talked occasionally, and the church had grown to uh, several hundred people. And then a lady came into the church, very well-dressed, articulate, highly intelligent, got involved in all kinds of ministries, said they needed a new bus, she'd write a check for it. Whoa. They needed a new furnace or a new roof, she'd write a check for it. She said, I'm just here to serve the Lord and serve you people. Amen. And she had gone into every home in the church. And then, on Monday morning, he woke up and remembered that he had forgot something at the church. So he went down to the church building. Monday's usually a pastor's day off. But this time he went down to the church, and there she is standing behind the pulpit. She's built an altar to Satan. She has pictures. This is the truth. She had pictures of all of the families and their children from all of the members of the church because she had gotten into all of their homes. She spoke through a man's voice, came through her, and said... Such and such a church is going to be open in two weeks. The pastor's resigning, and I can get that pulpit for you. And two weeks later, the pastor resigned. It's a church of 7,000 members. I've known about it most of my life. He said, in the name and of the blood of Jesus Christ, I rebuke you. He called the police. She was arrested. They burned the pulpit burned everything that she had cursed. Mm. And then I got called in for a week. Oh. Actually, I spent two weeks there. It wow. extended into two weeks. I went into every home in the family. And here's part of how she worked. There was one family, they'd both been chronic alcoholics. And then they got saved and God delivered them from alcoholism. But she came in and in the most convincing way, she said, a little alcohol is good. She said, matter of fact, Paul told Timothy, a little wine is good for your often infirmity. And so the next thing they know, they're drinking a little wine and then a little more wine and then a lot of wine. These are some of the things that happen. And each family had been tainted by her, infiltrators into the church of Jesus Christ. That's why we've got to be a body of people who are praying, who are in contact with each other, who are loving each other, who are growing together. We need to be growing in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. If we live just half-heartedly, we get the worst of both worlds. Invisible War on the Saints, Dr. Ken Copley. This is from his new book, by the way, The Great Deceiver, available at swrc.com or 1-800-652-1144. Invisible War on the Saints. It's a real war. Today in our resource spotlight, we're featuring Tom Horn's brand new documentary, The Secret Destiny of America Revealed. 
This two-hour DVD reveals who the God on America's Great Seal and U.S. $1 Bill really is, and much more. Order your copy of the DVD documentary, The Secret Destiny of America Revealed, when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Tomorrow, Tom Horn will continue to reveal America's secret destiny, so be sure to tune in on your favorite radio station or by subscribing to our daily Watchman on the Wall podcast. Watchman on the Wall is a production of Southwest Radio Ministries and is supported by faithful listeners like you. Visit swrc.com.